I'm going to blow my nose, and I'm pretty much good to start. I have wow. 9.30. Do you mm. want to start at 10, or do you want to start at 9.45? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Welcome to the Relatively Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jared Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We're recording on Monday morning, August 22nd. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day that we record this perfect podcast is Joseph Nardone. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Uncle Jared. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm actually upstate New York on vacation. I am in upstate New York. I am not upstate New York. I'm in upstate New York on vacation for the next week. So uh, if I go spotty at times, that's why, but hopefully I don't. Joe told me before the show that we have a perfect connection, which made me go, aww. So yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, I had to give you a win somewhere. I mean, I'm assuming you don't walk around and get tons of compliments every day. Yeah, man. I love it. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's get let's get right into it today because as Americans we are gold medal winners. Not really us, but the U.S. men's basketball team won the gold yesterday. They defeated the Fighting Joe Nardones, aka Milos Tadosic, and Serbia in the gold medal game. The United States beat them by a whopping thirty points after going nuts in the first half. Kevin Durant drops thirty points in the game, twenty four coming in the first half, looking like the best player in the world. Joe, are you surprised that the United States took the gold in men's basketball this year? No. That's my expert analysis. No. Um, we talked about, I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about. We could acknowledge that the international game's gotten better. There's better players throughout the country than there was in, say, 1992. Um, we could talk about not having a playmaking point guard, the roster construction, um, the rotations, the defense, a lot of the flaws the team had. But We've been saying it for those last three weeks that it doesn't change the fact that they still have the most talented roster of all the teams in the Olympics. So, no, it's not shocking. Yeah, it's not shocking. Obviously, that was a tongue-in-cheek comment. I mean, like you said, we have the most talent. And, yes, I could say we because I am American, and this is the team that I You moved to Canada last week, remember? Yeah, you know what's really funny? I was thinking about that. I wonder if there are Olympic fans somewhere who just aren't from countries but root for other countries just because they like the team. Like, well, you can't really equate you can't equate it to professional sports <clears throat> where people are like, yeah, who cares if I'm from New York? I'm going to be a Bulls fan. But, like, what if you could do that in the Olympics? Well, there's, um, I don't know how widely it was reported, but there was a team of, they were just called the Olympic team. Like, they weren't all refugees of other co- countries, but a lot of the people that had to leave their country for one reason or another, or their country wasn't isn't qualified to be in the Olympics, they had their own actual Olympic team. So I can see people rooting for that team, like the refugee air quotation mark team. Um, but I, I found but it weird. I found it weird because I did see a couple of tweeters here and there being like, I, "I hope Team X beats Team USA." I'm like, "Well, why?" Like, I mean, that's a weird. Like, patri- patriotism is a weird thing. Like, you're supposed to kind of want it all the time. You know what I mean? Is it treason? Yeah. Or, like, would it be treason to have rooted for Serbia yesterday? I don't believe it would have been treason. It would have been weird, but I don't think it would have been treason. I mean, it would have made sense for you again because I am you know you're, your long lost right. Your long lost brother is the point guard for Serbia. So. But, I, but I mean, like seriously, like why would you root? Like, if you're an American, why would you root for another country? 
Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. How how strange would that be? But what? like, maybe people do it. Maybe people. Same with professional sports. It's like, well, I really like the Brazil uniform, so I'm going to root for Brazil. But like, like it's I, I always notice this during the World Cup time because I have friends that are dire soccer fans, and because of like a lot of my friends are Italian, because it's kind of where like our town's mostly Italian or was mostly Italians, and uh, like they'd be like, oh, well, the World Cup come, they're like, I'm going to root for Italy. I'm like, what about the U.S.? Yeah, but it, I, like you know, Italy. And I'm like, well, that's your heritage, but you're actually from here. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just weird. I always find it weird. Like, there's nothing wrong with being proud of your heritage and wanting to see Italy or whoever do well. I just always found it weird. Like, if you're from a place, don't you want that place to do well? You know what I mean? Like, I'm from Wilkes-Barre. I wouldn't root against Wilkes-Barre doing well in anything. It'd just be weird. It would be weird. Fortunately for us as United States men's <laughs> basketball fans, we don't have another dog in the race. I mean, obviously, people who are from other countries and live here would want to root for their countries, and I understand that wouldn't bash them, but the U.S. men played one of their best games of the, of the summer yesterday. Boogie Cousins probably had his best game. Again, Kevin Durant went nuts. Uh, Carmelo Anthony set the record for most rebounds for an American in the Olympics, uh, even though he didn't have the greatest game, but he, he got back in late to grab that seventh rebound to give him the lead over David Robinson. So it was cool to see Mello have another summer of Mello, whatever that means. Um, Carmelo was also really emotional after the game. Did, did you catch his interview yeah. after the game with, with Roscoe on Monday? Yeah, good for, I, I mean, good for him. I mean, I'm not going to tell him what the value, that means a lot to him. I'm not going to say, hey, because we were trashing the whole thing about rings and medals and the finals being more important. If he really thinks it's that important, and it's really important to him. I mean, good for him. So I'm not going to bash him for being emotional during for what for what ah, for what was for him an emotional moment. Yeah, you know, and it, it really it felt like he was soaking it in, which he should. Again, he told us how important this is to him, and he wasn't the only player on the team to share that sentiment. We're not going to revisit this whole thing and have this conversation again about gold medals and rings, like. I think that both can mean a lot to players, and I know that we were kind of giving Melo and DeAndre Jordan crap for what they said because they kind of went out of their way to put the rings on the, or I'm sorry, the medals on the pedestal over the rings. But like, like we said, they they are in the moment and they're at the Olympics and they're seeing their friends and other people that they're connecting with this summer win, and they're seeing how emotional they are about it. And you know, it's it's different for Carmelo. And one of the things he mentioned in his in his interview after the game was how far he feels like he's come with this program since 2004, since, you know, the most embarrassing summer since the United States started sending professionals to the Olympics. And again, that's relative. They still want a bronze medal. But, you know, Carmelo was emotional about the ride he's had with this, with this team. And obviously it's not the same team since 2004, but it's been the same program. And it's, it's really, it's been with Coach Kane. It's been with Jerry Colangelo. And, you know, for a guy who's, who hasn't really accomplished a ton in the NBA in terms of, of winning rings and accolades and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he should be proud and he should be happy to be the big fish in, in this pond. It's a relatively big pond still and they accomplished a lot. And, you know, whatever you want to say about these Olympics, this is his third Olympic gold and he's been a great player for this team and a great player for this program. And I think as he's kind of, he's not reaching the twilight of his career yet. But as he's, he's getting up there in age and he's realizing that, you know, his window is closing to win in the NBA, this might have been his last real big win of his career. Yeah, like, I think that was important to point out. Like, this could have been his last Olympics. 
Um, I think this was this whole run was a bit of a redemption tour Olympic wise for him uh, because of the 2014. Um, I mean, like seriously, good for him. Like I don't. Here's what's going to happen, and I already saw it happen right after. You know, he was emotional standing there with the gold medal on, and people made memes and jokes about him and all that stuff. Like I can't understand why we just can't let a dude have his moment. He had his moment, and the NBA season will start in 60 whatever days now. So. Let him enjoy this moment, and then when the Knicks start playing, and if they're bad, and he doesn't play well or whatever, then kill him then. Just let him have his moment. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that we're seeing it for the most part. I, I Again, I, I really haven't been on Twitter a ton this weekend, because I'm, I'm on vacation, and I'm trying to stay away from Twitter, aside from, from getting bad tweets for our podcast, but, you know, I, I just I, it felt good to see him do that, and... We really shouldn't be trivializing it or marginalizing it. We should just take it for what it is, and it, it's a great accomplishment. and And I'm I'm pretty happy for him. I'm also I'm happy for Kevin Durant, who you know has had a really rough summer and is getting crushed. And he's inherited some of the Warriors blew a three to one lead joke. Uh, er- everything bad has kind of been used against Kevin Durant this summer. So to see him kind of go nuts yesterday and tune everything out really set the tone for the team. I mean, he scored 24 points in the first half. Serbia scored 29 points in the first half. So he, he really, it's hard to say he put the team on his back, but he, he, again, he set the tone and he showed that he's really one of the two or three at worst most pop, not most popular, but one of the most talented guys. He's also very popular. One of the two or three most talented guys in the world in terms of this sport. So I was glad to see KD play great. I was glad to see Melo get his... Uh, again, I mentioned him earlier, but Boogie Cousins. Boogie had 11 points and 12 rebounds in the first half, and he really struggled a lot during the Olympics. And again, that, that's a relative term, but he was getting in foul trouble. He was he was like peak pouty Cousins for the majority of the, the Olympics. So it was good to see him take a former NBA guy, Trey Kirby doppelganger, Miroslav Radulšica. I probably butchered that name, but I'm going to try. It was good to see him take him out to the woodshed in the first half. He wound up taking nine free throws in that first half, and it looked like he finally figured out how to use his physicality in a good way. Um, So it was cool to see the United States finally come together, and after struggling a little bit in the middle of the Olympics, really play their best basketball when it mattered. Uh, The game against Spain on Friday night wasn't as close as the final score indicated. They were really winning that game for for the vast majority. They had a pretty comfortable lead, it felt like, too. It didn't really feel like they were ever, you know, threatened or or really concerned with with losing that game. So it's it's good to see the men's basketball wrap up the way we expected them to. Were there any things that really stood out to you over these last couple games or or over the championship game? Uh, Just that our expectations for the men's basketball team is insane. Like, just just think about what you just said, that an undefeated team won the gold, and we had to preface that with how they struggled. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, instead of just going undefeated United States team, um, <laughs> it was about, we had to mention how they struggled. You know what I mean? So, all yeah, the gold. Yeah, yeah, again, everything's relative when it comes to this team, and they're quote-unquote struggles and that stuff. I don't think anybody was really concerned that they weren't going to win the gold medal. No, there was, because that's how Twitter and people were. But I, that's how we, we are in terms of, like, well, we need to react to something, and there's very little to react to in the basketball world. So There's this tons to react to. Tons. What about, where's Andrew White transferring to? That's what I want to know. There he is, college basketball Joe. I was going to throw that on the rundown, but I, I wasn't sure... 
Well, let me keep on a really small, small. Yeah, I want to wrap up U.S. basketball, but go go there first, and then we'll come back. Um, So a lot of people are mad that Andrew White is still deciding where he's going to transfer. He's transferred a couple times before. He has one-year eligibility left. A couple tweets after. He's basically down to Syracuse and another team I'm blanking to. But his original list was about five. Um, For our listeners at home, where did he play last year? Last year? Yeah. Where did he play last? Last, I believe you. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix this up, mix the schools up, but I want to say Nebraska. Um, let me get confirmation on that real quick. Yes, Nebraska. I was right. Yes, um, because he's played for a couple teams. So people were saying that college free agency is here to stay. Um, just because a guy has a very very small amount of power in this transfer, he's a grad transfer. He doesn't have to sit out here. Doesn't mean free agency's here. Um, I wrote on this a while ago. If you want to Google it, you can Google it. Um, the epidemic with transferring isn't real. Um, student bas- college bas- Division one basketball players actually transfer at a lower rate than normal students. So in comparison, there's, there can't be an epidemic. An epidemic is usually when there's more of something in an area. Um, there are about 300 less per year. Um, percentage And percentage-wise, they're also like 20% less. So it's not just... Because there's obviously more non-Division one basketball players, but percentage-wise, they're also lower. Um, so it's all it's all a joke. It's not real. Um, so I say, Andrew White, you take your time, man, and you do what you want. You have this very, very tiny amount of power, which all your power is deciding where you're going to go to college next year. It's not making money or anything. So I say take your time, do what you want. And for all those people complaining about it, um, I don't know why you're rooting for management that makes millions of dollars off these guys' backs and not just being like, oh, okay, some dude's going to transfer. Yeah, it's funny you said the word power there because that's really what all the, the hubbub seems to be about is when we let these, these co- and we, not being us, but when we see college players or college athletes being able to make their own decisions and taking the power out of the program or out of the NCAA, that's when words like epidemic get thrown around and for some reason we or not we, again, not us, but the people who are complaining feel threatened or feel like this is a, a problem because power is being shifted and power is being balanced. And, you know, I, I kind of share the same sentiment as you in, good, do what you can, Andrew White, because you don't have much power, you don't have much leverage, and you're such an asset to whatever program you're going to be playing for. So, yeah, I, I kind of don't really like the, the epidemic coverage either, and that's really been a problem the whole off season. so... Good for you. Way to get that in on Andrew White. Way to get that in on college basketball. Let's come all the way back to U.S. men's basketball and just wrap up the Olympics. Some overall takeaways I had from what we saw over the last couple couple weeks, months, I guess. First, I'm going to talk about what I was disappointed in. I really thought DeMar DeRozan was going to give us a new Vince Carter-type dunk. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, in 2000, Vince Carter jumped over 7-foot-plus Frederick Weiss on the French team. If you don't know it, gosh, that makes me feel weird, but YouTube it because it's probably the greatest Olympic dunk of all time. I thought DeRozan was trending in a direction where he was just going to get in the game and maybe even jump over two guys. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm disappointed I didn't get that out of DeMar. A couple other things I just want to say. I think Paul George is probably a little bit better than we give him credit for, and I want to say the same for DeAndre Jordan. I think when those two guys were on the court, the U.S. men's team was better than when they were off it better than when their replacements, be it Mello and Boogie or whoever else, were on the court. I, I think those two guys had a really nice Olympics, and I think they're in a place to have a really good NBA season again. And we do this thing with DeAndre Jordan where 
you know, smart basketball fans think his defense is a little overrated, which maybe it is because he's not a great rim protector. Like, he blocks shots and gets rebounds, but his field goal percentage allowed at the rim isn't spectacular. But DeAndre Jordan makes both sides of his team better when he's on the court. Defensively, he's a good enough anchor. Offensively, he doesn't need the ball, and he's very efficient. When you have a big who who you know can just convert alley-oops and can get offensive rebounds and help your possessions out. I mean, I think that that's, that's really important. And I know he doesn't really have a back-to-the-basket game or really any skills. And again, he's a awful free-throw shooter. But I think DeAndre Jordan is feasibly you know, a top two or three center in the game today, and he doesn't get any credit for it. Rats. I mean, there's only seven centers in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, the, the center position's a little bit deeper, I think, than it was like, Maybe during the the Shaq and Todd McCulloch days. Well, that, no, that's se- true. I just don't know if I could really name a ton of centers and think. Like I'm with you. I think DeAndre Jordan's a fine basketball player, and he's one of the better centers in the league. But like, it's not like he's playing in the era of Shaq, Hakeem, David Rock, like whoever. You know what I mean? So, um, he's really good, but he's not anywhere near. And this is me going hyperbolic. So I'm sorry. I apologize. But he's not. Do it. He's not that great of a and. He's a good center, and he fits on the Clippers and what they try to do and what they ask him to do. By no means is he some kind of special player. Oh, ouch. First team All-NBA this year, and I think it was deserved. Uh, I think he was a big reason the Clippers were as good as they were, but at the same time, he comes out of the game, and Cole Aldridge comes in and plays next to Chris Paul, and he puts up similar numbers. So I'm not going to go crazy defending DeAndre Jordan. I just think he's a little bit better than people tend to give him credit for. I'm actually going to go on the flip side of that and play the hot take music here. I know we don't have hot take music. Hot but I, take. I, hot I have take. a bit <laughs> hot take. <laughs> yeah. I have a bit of a hot take, and I wish I didn't, but I can't. I can't hold my tongue. I really like. Aside from yesterday, I was not blown away by Demarcus Cousins, and I don't know if it's if it's just Olympic basketball and it's it's too physical of a game, and the referees were atrocious and they weren't letting him play his game, but. You know, I I think people, Boogie is really one of the more polarizing players in the NBA because he's a ridiculous talent. Like, I think he's a top 10 talent in the league. But, you know, people people don't know if if the Kings are bad because they're the Kings and they're run horribly, which is definitely true. Or if because maybe DeMarcus Cousins just isn't that great of a star and we overrate his talent and his impact on a team. And for the last couple of years, I've really been on the... The Kings are terrible. They're ruining Boogie. He's never going to win there because of them. He goes elsewhere, and that team is immediately so much better. I've been on that side, but and I, I can't let the Olympics change my opinion, but just watching him play more and having more access to him over these last couple weeks, I just, like, his pouting percentage is awfully high. And oh, you're not going to do the body I, language thing, are you? I No, no, no. It's not only body language, but it's the type of thing that he gets frustrated so easily, and... I'm not, I'm not, again, I told you, this is a hot take, okay? This is a hot it's, take. It's, it's, it's bordering on scorching, depending where you go with this. And that's fine, and I'm not saying he's not good, and I'm not saying he's bad, but You're I You're going to say DeAndre Jordan's better. I saw that, I saw that, I saw people say it about Twitter, and I think you're all insane. I think that that's situational, and I'm not, I don't really want to argue too much about it. I think that DeAndre Jordan, if, if he were to be on the Kings, the Kings wouldn't be better. So if that's, if that's where we're going to go with it, sure. At the same time, I don't know if you put DeMarcus Cousins on the Clippers, that they're better than they are with DeAndre Jordan. But I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do the DeAndre versus DeMarcus. I'm just making my point now that I'm probably going to be defending this guy a little bit less moving forward. All right, America. Jeremy hates Boogie Cousins. 
There you go. There you have it. Get him. <laughs> yell at me how wrong I am. Should, I, should we I, play the? Should, are you the the Amara should we play the end of the hot take music? <laughs> hot take. Hot take. It's like a bad eighties sitcom. Time. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, listen. I really like him as a player, and I again, I defended him for a couple of years, uh, especially with like other people who I who I used to work with at ESPN, who were just like, this guy is always going to be a loser, and they're, they're pretty smart people. That I'm just like. I can't believe you can be so smart and have such a bad take. And I think I'm kind of regressing to the mean a little bit on DeMarcus Cousins. So I hope he comes out like firing next year. I hope he gets the Kings into the playoffs. I just I, I hope that he I hope he has a good season and that he can get some more attention for being as talented as he is. But at the same time, I think I'm gonna stop going after people who kill the Kings and kind of say it's all their fault and don't put any of the blame on DeMarcus. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to put too much of the blame on DeMarcus. I don't think they're bad because of him. I just think it's a point where maybe it's just not 100% their fault. Like, maybe it's just 95% their fault. Okay. Right. <laughs> you really you really laced that at the end of the, the hot take there with a ton of caveats. Well, I, <laughs> A hot take's supposed to not have any caveats. Either you're supposed to say you hate Boogie and it's all his fault, and he wouldn't last two rounds in the ring with Conor McGregor. That's what you're supposed to say in a hot take. <laughs> He'd destroy Conor McGregor. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. That could be a hot take, too. Hot um, take. Hot take. <laughs> all right. We I wonder can... how bad his singing voice is translated out of this. As bad as they sound. Um, <laughs> so, I might have to delete those. Nah, we're letting that ride. Anyway, it, the everything is scorching. Let's do some bad tweets. Let's do them. Hit the music. Fry MJ memes with the side of some racism. Many hot takes. Some of them. Bad tweets. Alright, who's going first on this? I'm going first on this. We have a tweet yesterday. <laughs> it's a good thing that you brought up the whole Andrew White thing, because our first bad tweet is from at March Madness, which is the NCAA March Madness account, which has 504,000 followers. They tweet yesterday at 4.30, yesterday was Sunday, right after the uh, the men took the Olympic gold. Hashtag gold, exclamation point. Kevin Durant leads a cast of former college stars to a dominating 96-66 win over Serbia. Hashtag NCAA to Rio. <laughs> Hashtag stupid tweet. Um, so, one... <laughs> I don't know that we need to react to this. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I think people time. realize this is supposed to be a self-serving tweet, even though most of the guys in the roster were one and done. Um, NCAA, you keep being you. And, uh, yeah, let's pretend this was somehow <laughs> spurned by you guys, I guess. The, the funny thing, too, is the picture that they use in the tweet is DeMarcus Cousins, one and done. DeAndre Jordan, one and done, who didn't have a particularly great college career. <laughs> I mean, he went to Texas A&M as, like, a top 10 recruit and was a second-round draft pick. So, yeah, there there's your former college star. And then the next three guys, you have Draymond Green, who obviously had a good college career yeah. at Michigan State, Kevin Durant, who's Kevin Durant, probably the greatest one-and-done player we've ever seen, and Clay Thompson, who played it. I think he played three two. years. At oh, one. three? I thought it was two. Yeah, I, th- I think he stayed for his third year. I, 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 we may have to fact-check that one, but like, you, you hit it on the head. It's very self-serving. What a what a garbage tweet. I mean, there, there were like actual players who played a lot of college basketball on that team. Talk about Jimmy Butler. I don't know. Maybe get Carmelo in. I I don't know. Anyway, we're, Clay Thompson we don't, played three years. Did, yeah, I, I thought his, he did. See, I'm looking at it now. His senior numbers were scorching fire. 
He was ridiculous. 22 points as a junior, a game. That's pretty insane. 40% from three. Right. I, I've been on the Clay Tom- Thompson hype train. I almost called him Clay Thomas. I've been on the Clay Thompson hype train for a long time. Shout out to my buddy Mark Sandritter, who uh, writes over at SB Nation. He's a, a Wazoo guy. He put me on to Clay Thompson back in 2008. So I was ready for that guy to get into the NBA and start, start slaying, and he did. But I guess today he's just a uh, former college star. Shout yeah. out to the NCAA. Way to marginalize NBA players. Hey, all these people are going Speaking pro. Speaking People going pro in other things other than sports or something. Yeah. <laughs> NCAA, what a crack of Bologna. Speaking of a crack of Bologna, why don't you do the next uh, Oh, okay, I got a bad tweet here. Um, <laughs> this one here is from Skip Bayless. You guys might remember him as the former First Take co-host, or now whatever show he has in Fox Sports nobody watches. At real skip we should start doing this, by the way. We should start doing this. Former whatever they were before they are what they are now. Shout <laughs> out to the NCAA. Former, Por- former governing body that was actually tasked to keep players safe from dying on the football field, which is what they were originally formed to now preventing people from from kids having power. Um, wah, 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 wah. Wah. I hate the NCAA. We could do a whole podcast and be bashing them. Um, real skip Bayless. Impressed with Conor McGregor. I can't even do this in the straight. Impressed with Conor McGregor's two-hand boxing skills. Now think he could hang in with Mayweather. Wouldn't win. <laughs> wouldn't get embarrassed. Oh. Let's just start here. Real laughter. Mayweather, yeah. being, Mayweather being Floyd Mayweather, the undefeated boxer. All-time great. Yeah, all-time great. So Conor McGregor uh, won his fight in decision the other night against Nate Diaz. Um, I didn't watch the fight. Joe, did you watch the fight? No, I was too busy doing important things like watch poor wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor won his fight, and I mean, he lost his last fight before this. This was the rematch with Nate Diaz, and a lot of the, the, the people I saw on Twitter talking about the fight said probably could have gone to Diaz. It, it didn't seem like it was a unanimous decision, but anyway, McGregor takes the decision in five rounds. I, I feel weird talking about a fight I didn't see. But all the clamor was that it was a really good fight, so way to go, UFC. Glad you guys got a good fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Skip Bayless's point, I don't think Conor McGregor is like a hand-to-hand combat guy. I don't think that's really his strong point, so I don't think he would uh, necessarily be able to hang with the probably the greatest pound-for-pound boxer maybe ever. Let, let's be honest. Was boxing, boxers, good boxers make far more money than UFC fighters still. Like, far more. Like, Floyd Mayweather could draw $20 million at the drop of a hat, if not more. Uh, Conor McGregor is making like maybe a million or two dollars per fight. If McGregor's yeah. two hand boxing skills were as good as Skip Bayless is uh, inferring here, he'd be a boxer because there's more money in boxing. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, like, let's not overcomplicate this. Like, was his two hand boxing skills good for the UFC? Probably. And if they were in the octagon, would he be Floyd Mayweather? Probably. But in a boxing match, the boxer is going to win. This is like saying a whole different profession guy like. If you're a salesman that sit, that has exclusively sold donuts, and that's your specialty, and you're a really good donut salesman, but one day somebody called out sick and he had to sell pens, and you did kind of okay selling pens relative to you only being a donut salesman, doesn't mean you're going to be a great pen salesman. That's a horrible comparison. <laughs> Probably the worst. Probably the worst. And who even sell? Do people? Is there donut salesman out there or pen salesman? Yeah, it's called Staples and Dunkin' Donuts, but. We we live in the 1920s where people <laughs> put donuts in their cart and they get their horse to take them to sell them to people. I don't I don't really know. Door, I don't door really glazed donut salesman. 
I don't know what you did there. I think we need to start making some music for bad analogies as well, <laughs> podcast. But uh, no, your point's well taken, and it, it makes sense. Not really, but the point you're making makes sense. It's just ridiculous, and I think part of this may have stemmed from McGregor saying he's not sure where his next fight's going to be, as in, like, he may not fight for UFC next, as in maybe he'll be boxing, or maybe he'll be in WWE, where he's bashed everybody on the roster and thinks he can beat the crap out of these guys in real life. Uh, I, I don't know, Conor McGregor's a spectacle, and he doesn't really do it for me. I am not a huge UFC fan anymore. I, I was really into UFC, I want to say, from probably about 2001 maybe even a little earlier than that, when things started to really kick off for them again, probably till about uh, 2011 or so. The last fight I was really, really interested in was, uh, was uh, I was going to call him Rashad Jennings, show <laughs> into the sport I am. Jeez, man. I, I'm, Rashad uh, Evans? Yeah, Rashad Evans and John Jones. I was really into Rashad Evans, John Jones feud, and I, I was a big Rashad Evans guy. I really liked that era of fighters when they kind of first started the, the Ultimate Fighter I thought Forrest uh, Griffin was awesome, too. But I'm not really as into UFC anymore, and it's interesting that, you know, I'm not knocking the sport at all. I think it's an awesome sport. I really love to watch mixed martial arts. I freaking suffered through Ken Shamrock and Kimbo Slice a year ago or whenever they had that awful fight. Um, but Conor McGregor, just as, like, a showman, I get it. It's exciting for other people. It doesn't do anything for me, and it doesn't make me want to watch him fight at all. It makes me want to not watch him fight because I feel like he's such a jerk. All right. I mean, I no, I totally get it. Um, I like you. I was more into the UFC in the early 2000s. Um, then there's just so much, so many events. They have so many events I can't keep up. I don't really know who's good anymore. Um, Same. So, I mean, I, I like it. Like, I'll still watch it, like, casually. I just, I can't pretend I'm an expert in it. Um, I think but Skip Bayless is. Yeah, well, clearly. Skip Bayless is a master in studies film, clearly. Um the McGregor thing, it's weird, because I i understand what you're saying, but, like, I watch Floyd May- Mayweather rooting for him. You if- struggle with that name every single time you say it. Can Mayweather? you say Floyd Mayweather slowly? Are you calling out my speech impediment? I am. Podcast? No, 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 don't, don't do that to me. Don't make this uh, I have a speech impediment, because you say everything else fine. You just can't say this guy's name. You did Floyd Mayweather. Like, you call him, like, Flay Mayweather. <laughs> well, you, call, you call him Waymeather, I think, once. Maybe all right, whatever. Fight. But, like, I, like I, I watch him fight because he's an historical all-time fighter, and I kind of want to see him beat because he beats women and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so part of the appeal of watching him fight is that he's a jerk. He's a real-life bad guy, that guy. Yeah, so, like, McGregor, as far as I know, and I could be wrong because I'm not really a Col- uh, Conor McGregor follower. Um, Do your as Googles. For as far as I know, he doesn't have like the storied history of whooping whooping on people outside of his sport. So um, I think his his jerkdom is just mostly show, and I can see why it'd be a draw for people. Um, I do think he does say funny things from time to time in his press conferences, stuff about like um, get your panties ready uh, during the first fight leading up to Nate Diaz, and that you're welcome. I just made you a millionaire and all that other stuff. Like I think it's. It's all right. I think it's part of the showmanship of combat sports. It's been in boxing forever. It's in pro wrestling, which is obviously scripted, and it's in the UFC. They wouldn't let this happen if they didn't think it helps sell fights. So I get it. I also get why it wouldn't be your cup of tea. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's it's fine. I'm not going to bash, bash him specifically for it because there's so many other guys that do it. I just think he does it well. So that's why he's kind of at the forefront of maybe getting annoyed. Do you know what I mean? Just like maybe Mayweather got annoying at some point with his money Mayweather stuff. 
Right. Well, I mean, like, I don't hate him having a persona. I think it's kind of cool. And I, I don't even mind him being all rah-rah at, you know, the, the press conferences and the weigh-ins and all that other stuff. Again, like, you, you, you mentioned it. UFC's kind of gotten a little watered down. They have, what, two events every month um, on pay-per-view. They have a ton of fighters. It's, it's grown a lot, and good for them that they've grown. Good for them that they sold for what they sold for. That was quite a number. Um, and it's, it's, I'm not really hating on him for being a showman as much as I'm hating on him just every time he has an opportunity to open his mouth to say something, he does it and puts his foot in it. And I'm not a wrestling fan at all. The, just the, the WWE comments kind of really rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm sure that they were all like gimmicky and that he'll have a future with them. And that's, this is kind of setting the tone for that. You know, that, that's kind of where I think he was going with that stuff, but it just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, you think about trash talking, and you think about Floyd Mayweather, and you think about Muhammad Ali, and you think about fighters talking trash about their opponents, and that, that's fair game, and that's cool, and it gets you hyped for a fight. It sells pay-per-views. I, I get it. I just feel like every chance he has to say anything, it's, it's something annoying, and it's something drawing attention to himself, and it's just... I, obviously, that's my opinion, and I'm sure... What, was your, what would you rather him say? Like when I, they, don't know, I don't know. Would you rather him not say anything when asked questions? Because he apparently doesn't want to do press conferences. That's apparently his deal. Really? So he's just like yeah, like this that whole time he got USC two hundred, I believe, when Dana White suspended him or whatever, it's because he didn't want to do a press conference. He's out. Well, that was after he lost, wasn't it? No, this was before. Uh, no, maybe it was after. I don't know. I just know that he's on record for a couple of years now saying he's only doing these press conferences because Dana White makes them. Interesting. So I, like, I, I, so I think he's maybe this persona he's playing up to the to the annoying levels now is part of like. I'm going to do this now to a absurd point until somebody tells me I don't have to do press conferences anymore. Maybe. And listen, I know I'm sounding crotchety, and I, I apologize. I yeah, don't mean, Bill Mushnick. I don't, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't mean to do it twice in one show, especially not with guys like Boogie and now, now Conor McGregor. Like, people love him. The UFC fans who I interact with on Twitter, like, think he's such a big deal. And obviously, I mean, he's a really good fighter. Um, and he's, he's a showman, and you don't get a ton of those guys in UFC. Again, it's not... It's not wrestling where like you really need to have some kind of mic skills or you need to have a, a good gimmick to, to get people to notice you. Like this this is your fighting and what you do in the ring does the talking for you. I just I I don't oh, know. Oh, did you just do the let the fighting in the ring talk for you thing? Yeah, which So like no don't don't no celebration touchdowns in the NFL. Been there like you've been there before. No bat flips in baseball, no smack and talk talk and smack in the NBA, no point, you know, making flexing your muscles after a dunk. Jared Mint says, act like you've been there before. No, I did not say act like you've been there before. There but you said show it in the ring. Or show it in the ring. Yeah. That so I'll, I'll press conferences and nobody say anything interesting. It's not about the press conferences. I'm not your Bill Plaschke. I, whatever. I can't win. I just can't win. <laughs> you, just got, you just became like a 50 year, 59-year-old man. Like, you turned me into it. This is no Benjamin Button. I mean, I think it would be the other way if it was Benjamin Button. I'm not like... <laughs> I don't know. You just made me into like the worst, man. You you did that. That wasn't me. That was you. No, I didn't... you just said that. You know, show it in the ring. That's such an old crotchy. I'm saying UFC is the type of sport where it's not. You're not getting ten minutes with Gorilla Monsoon to talk about your opponent. <laughs> but listen, he makes the most money of all UFC fighters. There's probably a reason for it, and that reason probably because his ability to sell tickets. Yeah, it probably is. He's, a, he's so a you're asking him not to make money. I'm not asking him to do anything. I'm just telling you how I feel about him. You changed. I guess so, man. <laughs> Speaking of changing, I used to be really into wrestling, and I'm not anymore, <laughs> but you are, and you really want to talk about it. So last night was SummerSlam, which yeah. historically is like my favorite wrestling event. I have very fond memories of SummerSlam. I would even say I got 
really, really into wrestling at SummerSlam 92, which was in England, where obviously the, the British Bulldog had to represent for his country, and he defeated my boy Bret the Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. I think I cried that night. I think that was the first time, probably the last time I cried about wrestling. Um, so I, I, I love SummerSlam historically. I went to SummerSlam 2002, which was Shawn Michaels' return against Triple H. Also had uh, the Brock Lesnar versus The Rock match, which was awesome. Uh, those are my favorite memories, and that's about all I have to contribute to this wrestling conversation. So, Joe, tell me about the wrestling you watched this weekend. Yeah, so we'll do SummerSlam only. NXT TakeOver was Saturday, which was phenomenal. But just limiting it, because I don't think the audience, they have a limited audience as is, so we won't subject our podcast listenership to that. Um, and I'm sure we're losing viewers as I'm about to speak wrestling. Yeah, they stopped watching. Yeah. Um, so the pre-show started at 5 Eastern. The show ended a little after 11. So that's six hours of pro wrestling. That's a lot. Um, the show was an overall good thing. It was in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. So the crowd at some point turned um, basically around the Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler match. Dean Ambrose is the WWE champion. He is somebody I don't think is very good. He's overrated. He moves around like a broken mop in the ring. His character's grown stale. The Brooklyn crowd kind of parlayed that mind, like what, what I felt like has been the drum I've been beating for the last six months onto the match by being very indifferent. And then it was all downhill from there as far as the crowd was. Um, a little bit later in the show, Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship, which is the new version, new heavyweight title version for Raw. Um, this is a match that most people... Really wanted to see for a couple years now. Um, Rollins has a huge following. Baylor has a huge international following. And the Brooklyn crowd kind of made it about themselves, chanting, we hate the belt. A um, couple random wrestlers' names. And it's just weird. I, there's the whole internet wrestling community and smarky crowd aspect of this where these people all sit and complain and whine about certain guys not getting chances. Then you have these two guys that they swear they love getting a chance, and they made it about a the appearance of a wrestling belt. So if the WWE looks at that and thinks that they're being indifferent to the match because of Baylor, Seth Rollins, and those guys get punished, they have nobody to blame but themselves. So basically what I'm trying to say is Brooklyn crowd, go home, you're drunk. Was the belt that bad? Was the crowd that bad or the belt? The belt was the belt. just just like the, the normal championship with red leather. Like, it's not is the this, great... This is the Universal Champion? Yeah, it looks exactly the same, just with red leather. Is it the greatest looking thing? No, but I mean, it's a belt. Like, if you're... I don't know what sort of good analogy this is, but say you want to see LeBron James play with Superstar X, we'll say Chris Paul for the sake of our argument, really, really bad, and you spent years wanting to see it, and then you're seeing it, but instead of appreciating, you're complaining about the uniforms they're wearing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just this most ancillary thing to get upset over when you're getting gifted something you really you claim you really want. And the reality is, I think a lot of wrestling fans will just complain for the sake of complaining. And um, it's like this whole hipster thing where, like, they also do these, like, like, these chants, Roman can't wrestle for Roman Reigns, who actually is a really good wrestler at this point. He's really improved. Same thing with John Cena. Um, these guys have all evolved into far better guys than they were a couple of years ago. So, like, I, I, they're just chanting to hear themselves chant, and it doesn't even make sense anymore, and they're ruining... This doesn't happen very often, but the Brooklyn crowd did ruin, take away from SummerSlam a bit by hijacking the show. How, sh- was, how was that actual match, though? Was it, it, was, it was good. It wasn't like a five-star match. Um, John Cena versus AJ Styles was actually the best match on the card. Um, probably a match of the year type. That's how good it was. Um, it was very good. Like, 
if you're gonna give it like a star system, it was a high end three, a low end four. But given that there was historical ramifications on the line, it elevates it a little bit more because of the importance of the crowning the first ever Universal Champion and Finn Balor getting the win. Um, in his network, his pay per view debut was kind of a, it's really a big deal. It should have been a big deal. Yet the Brooklyn crowd was just like, we want CM Punk for some reason. He hasn't been in wrestling forever, right? Right, and plus, like, the irony here is they're chanting for a dude who quit the moment things didn't go his way after promising he was going to change wrestling from the inside and then complaining about part-time performers and people quitting when things got tough. And the moment things didn't go his way, he quit. And that's the people they're cheering for, the guy that left them because he didn't get what he wanted. Not because he loves wrestling. Do you know what I mean? So it's just, there's irony here that these hipster wrestling fans are actually pretty dumb. And, uh, I mean, I write for today's Powerbomb, so if you ever read my stuff, I kind of rail against the internet wrestling community on the regular and Smarks. And, uh, because the all, my favorite thing is, and I'm going to go on a semi-small tangent, I don't want to make this too long, you probably lost all our listeners, is, so they'll all talk about how much they love AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, who's in NXT, um, Sting, a ton of other guys that used to be in TNA, but none of these people would watch TNA when they were there. So how could you love these guys if you haven't watched them? It's just wow. they want they just want to they want to seem cool like oh this guy was awesome, but no if if they were awesome these guys wouldn't have to leave TNA these people would have they would have made more money these people would have been watching TNA, but in reality what you're doing is saying they're non WWE guys, and you're a hipster dude so you hate all WWE guys, so that's how they're doing. It's like like it's like those hipsters that like Paps beer you know, Paps Blue Ribbon beer you don't actually like Paps Blue Ribbon you're just trying to find an obscure beer to like. What's your favorite crappy beer? Oh, uh, crappy beer? Extra gold. Really? Oh, man. And I don't know how much it costs for you in New York, but like a normal case here, like Coors and Miller's like 20, like a 30 pack's like 23 or $24. A 30 pack Coors Extra Gold? $13.57. Yeah, I, I dig that, man. I was a big Keystone Light guy, still am. Like well, you were a, a Keystone Light, man. That was the beer in high school. Not that I drank in high school or anything. Yeah, well, I'm saying if I'm playing like. Anyway, we don't need to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's be here. Let's go from wrestling into drinking beer in high school. I think that's <laughs> yeah. a good good transition. Um, no, you know, you talk about wrestling and you talk about about uh, you know the the wrestling fans and the way they approach it and the way they hate everything. For me, you know, a lot of growing older, relatively growing into like an adult and still being a wrestling fan for me was like hate watching it and following it too closely, probably too close like for my own good and i think that that's one of the things that wrestling fans tend to do is you know you're, you're on the wrestling websites all day and you you think that you can make better storylines than they're making and you just get frustrated with the product overall so you're just you're so snarky about everything and you have such a negative attitude towards it that i just don't get why you waste your money or your time or your effort on something that all you want to do is bash it yeah I, I feel like that that's a culture with wrestling that's like never going to change it's just weird because like people always book, like, when they do fantasy booking, they call it, they do it to their sensibilities. Like, not everybody's watching New Japan Wrestling. And the WWE knows this. So, like, when they're booking guys, they're booking for the casual audience. Not just for a 35-year-old somebody, but, like, six-year-old kid in, in Tuscan. Do you know what I mean? So, because you know so-and-so wrestler is been around the block for 15 years and is super talented, WWE still needs to let the other audience know that these people are good or they exist and make sure they translate well into the casual audience stage. 
it's just always funny. Like I have people like or friends, I guess, who will be like when a guy's debuting that nobody outside of super diehards would know that they should win the heavyweight championship like on their debut. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing ever. Like you just can't have somebody nobody ever heard of debut and win the title. Like just because twenty people saw him wrestle once. Do you know what I mean? It's just wrestling fans we best NBA Twitter a lot and other Twitter, Jets Twitter, Mets Twitter, um, wrestling Twitter, while a good portion of it is great, another portion of it is just an abomination to the senses. Yeah, I, I'd imagine so, and I'm kind of glad I got out of wrestling before Twitter, because I'd imagine it would make me hate wrestling even more, because seeing seeing the worst opinions related to anything kind of makes you sour on something like I don't root against the Knicks, but seeing some people's opinions on the Knicks almost makes me feel like I resent the fan base a little bit. And I'm sure it's easier to do that when it comes to wrestling just because people's opinions can kind of be all over the place. You know, they're, they're really, I wouldn't imagine there's a consensus because wrestling and who you root for tends to be kind of emotionally driven. So I, I don't know, man. That, that's kind of all I have wrestling-wise. What's, what's your favorite SummerSlam match of all time? Oh, listen, let's, I, let's I, go positive. I, let's end positive. I'm going to go recency bias because that style Cena match last night was, what are the, the cool kids still say off the hook or off the chain? Or yeah, they say it was fat. It was oh, fat. it was fat. It was yeah. fat. That's cool, man. Well, listen, I'm glad we got some wrestling talking right. and uh, I apologize to our listeners who aren't into wrestling. Whatever. We don't even like you listeners. We told you last week. You're still yeah. here. That's on you. Yeah, we did. We really bashed you guys. I love you, but Joe doesn't. Let's do some absurd questions. Let's hit the music, big producer guy. It is time for the absurd questions portion of the podcast. Absurd questions. All right, Joe, I feel like you've been leading off absurd questions every freaking week, so I'm taking it this time. Go for it, homie. So I went to Saratoga Racetrack on Saturday. I didn't Whatever win that means. What, what'd you say? <laughs> Whatever that means. Saratoga Racetrack? Horses. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, we should tell people. I don't know what that was. I thought maybe you went NASCAR. Saratoga? No, I did not go to a NASCAR racetrack. I went to a horse racetrack on Saturday. Did a little bit of gambling, a little bit of boozing. It was a good time. All but of I, which is legal where you were. Yeah, I mean, I'm 20. Yeah, it, it, it is. I'm not 20 anything. I'm 31 years old. <laughs> um, wow, that happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> Barely held, I missed. I like to think about my absurd questions pretty much all day. I'm always thinking about absurd <laughs> questions. And while I was at the track... It occurred to me, if you could have any animals ironically race besides turtles, because I think they already do their own races, what animals would you like to see in a track-style race? Like a 100-meter? No, it's more than that. I mean, Oh, like in a horse setup. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be a 100-meter. It's an absurd question, so whatever you want. Well, that's you, a, you make the rules, bud. That's a fantastic... I want the elderly. I know they already do that. Like, really old people. People? Old, like old people. An old person, ironic race. That would be miserable. I do not want the to people, see People do that. It's already been done. But I like watching them, so I'll double down on it. Is there gambling involved? No, it's not like... It's always for like charity. I do the, I do believe they, they have like a fake-ish senior citizens Olympics. It's not like an actual Olympics. But where like they have the elderly race. I remember on the Dale Avatar, highly questionable like a year ago, they had like some 90-year-old guy running 100 meters. And he said, you know, like the world record for all this guy running 100 meters or something like that. Interesting. I like that I asked if you could have any animals, ironically, race you went with old people. So well, the, my other answer is octopuses, but I don't know how you would do that. It'd be more like a swimming event, right? 
I guess so. We could do that too, man. This listen, we're all the way outside the box here. We could put these guys in water if we want. We could put elephants in water. How, however, you want to do it, whatever the setting is. Now, the other answer could be slugs, just to make people mad. Like to do the hundred meter and take like seventeen days. That sure would be ironic and miserable. I don't. Yeah. Want to what's your that. answer? Uh, I wrote down. I'm lame, man. I wish you didn't say that. A, it shows that you don't care about our senior listeners. That you'd want to see them race miserably. I didn't and say miserably. I thought it would be fun to watch. There, there's no B, so I don't know why I said A. Um, I, I chose elephants. I chose elephants at first just because, like, they're so big. I'd love to see, like, ten elephants next to each other trying to race. I also said cheetahs. I know that's not ironic, but, like, what if we saw cheetahs race? They'd probably be, I'd be over really quick. Because they're really fast, aren't they? Yeah, they're the fastest, I believe. <laughs> the fastest one animals? Yeah, the fastest anything. The faster than cars. The, just the fastest. They are the fastest. They win that Now, now if we if we can go slightly even weirder, because there's animals inside these people, inside the beings here. Mr. Snuffleupagus against Big Bird. But can Big Bird fly? No, because he doesn't fly on Sesame Street, does he? Yeah, I mean he's got to be grounded. Like he does. It's like I don't have a good analogy, and I'm not going to try. We've had enough. We've we filled our bad analogy <laughs> quota today. We're still, we still have um, some room for bad puns, if you have any bad puns. Always room for bad puns. I, I like that you went Sesame Street with this, because now I'm thinking, like, I don't know. I don't know that many Sesame Street characters, so I, I got nothing. How about all I the Power think... Rangers in the history of the Power Rangers show? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Not setting up for anything good. But if you were to take the Power Rangers and have them race against... Well, listen, like, I don't think everybody's deep down into the, the horrible history of the original Power Ranger cast. I can't go beyond the original Power Ranger Me cast. Me neither. I, I stopped watching after uh, after Tommy turned white. I stopped watching. What? That's when it turned best. Now, my, my, my oldest daughter used to watch Power Rangers something, and uh, she used to like to battle the Nylocks in the playroom. I don't know. Was there Nylocks? In- okay, we're going. I'm sorry. Take your word for it. What's your absurd question? All right. So recently, um, I can forget the player's name, but a defensive end for the St. Louis Rams um, said that he. it's been reported that he's thrilled to that Los, uh, the Rams moved to Los Angeles because he believes in mermaids, and now he's in closer proximity to the ocean. Um, so he thinks he's more likely to run into a mermaid. Um, this same person doesn't believe in dinosaurs, despite there being evidence that, you know, dinosaurs are real. Um, what Do you have any weird theories or beliefs such as like believing in mermaids but not believing in dinosaurs and if not is there one that you've heard that you want to be true even though you don't believe it oh my goodness um no and i actually didn't hear this how did this not make bigger news uh, william hayes yes mermaids are real but wow. not dinosaurs but not dinosaurs there's that... a growing there's a scary amount of people that don't think dinosaurs are real by the way listen i I, I, I think dinosaurs are real. I mean, we've seen bones, and it's kind of a wacky thing to make up if there, there's no legs to it. But, like, I can sort of understand, like, not getting behind something that is six million years old. You know, not being like, well, maybe this didn't really happen. I mean, I go back, like, five years, and I'm like, I didn't see it, so maybe it didn't happen. I, I don't have any weird things that I believe or any things that I want to believe. Do, do you have one to kind of inspire me? Well, listen, like, I don't believe in them at all, but I'm, I'm all, you know, the ocean's, like, really not that explored that well. I'm all for mermaids being real. Like, I'm all for it. Little Ariel, whatever her name is, popping up and just singing a sign, we're all like, yeah, Ariel. Look, look. Did you just whatever her name is, the Little Mermaid? Yeah, it's, I called her Little Ariel, which is not right. <laughs> the Little Mermaid. She has what? Yeah. Um, yeah um, 
Yeah, I don't think mermaids are real. That's no, good... me neither. But there's why would you even want to meet a mermaid? Do you think that they're pretty? They've been living underwater forever. Yeah, but like they probably evolved. Like you ever hear the no, theory? They probably didn't evolve. All right, listen. Like, like, you ever hear the theory that fiction writers only write what they know and they just remake it into a different form? I have not, but you're the fiction writer of the two of us. Well, that means somebody like somebody had to have the idea of a mermaid, and maybe they're inspired. They saw a real mermaid. Like how? Who thinks up of a fish-legged woman? And the ocean. Yeah, that, that's fair. And I'm not, I, listen, I'm not saying they're real at all. I'm saying the ocean's vast and unknown, and there's things on the bottom of it we've never seen. And maybe... Dude, maybe it sounds like... Maybe what? I said maybe there's like... I'm not saying mermaids in the traditional sense, but there might be like some kind of some kind of mammal or being down there that resembles the mermaids. And I think it'd be... I'm not saying I believe them. I say it'd be cool if they were real. And William Hayes, you know, good for him if it ever happens. Sort of sounds like you're saying you believe in them for one. No, one. I prefaced it like 9,000 times. And the question is, if you had to pick one, if you don't believe in one. Why are you acting like these are absurd questions and we could have these conversations without being judgmental towards each other? You're being really judgy. I am being really judgy. I'm going to tell my mom. You believe in mermaids. I'm going to tell my mom. Um, (laughs) My mom said you're grounded. You can't get over anymore. (laughs) Well, it sounds like we're not doing a podcast on Friday. If they're mermaids, are there mermen? Yeah, I imagine, unless they're, unless they're asexual and they can reproduce without another species or another gender. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, sorry to do this. I okay, how about this one? How about this one? You have another absurd question? Oh, no, no, not a question. But, like, I, you know what I really want to believe in so desperately is in aliens. And I do yeah. believe, I legit believe in them. Because I think mathematically, there's, if the universe, if the galaxy, whatever, if it's all infinite, there's got to be somebody else out there, at least one of them. And I want them to come down. And just be like, if I'm in a bad mood, I want them to be good aliens. I don't want them to be like Independence Day aliens or some other group of bad aliens. I want them to be good ones. And I want them to be like, Joe, you look kind of sad today. I'm like, I'm Billy. They'd be like, because they traveled light years to get here. They probably have some kind of science. Like, zap me, I'll never get a bellyache ever again. Yeah, that's that's a good thing to want to believe in. I don't know, man. I guess I, I want to believe in, like, heaven. I don't want to go religious right now, but uh, I feel like a lot of So I'm things... talking mermaids, dinosaurs, and aliens, and you go... Something like a large percentage of humans actually really believe in. A large, a large percentage of people believe in mermaids. I don't think that, I, I bet you it's far lower than the people that believe. In I know, that. I know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like we're talking about things that we've never seen that we're supposed to believe are either true or untrue. I mean, like there's really minimal evidence to believe that heaven exists. Like you. You honestly have a better chance of, like, finding a mermaid than you do of, like, going to heaven. Stop, and stop, to tell stop, 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 stop. You're going to alienate listeners and get them mad. I, I'm, I'm being factual. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, like... No, you, all right, Bill Mar- Mar- whatever his name is. Who do you know that's been to heaven? <laughs> who do you know? Who do you know that told you about Oh, my heaven? goodness, I can't believe you're going here. Listen, I, I don't want to keep Listen, going. it's I'm obviously just, a faith-based thing where you seeing is not believing. You just have to kind of take the word for it. And uh, I'm not religious at all, so like I can't speak for other people's beliefs and and their faith in something. But I understand if you're grow- if you were brought up growing up to believe in those things, you believe in those things. And I bet you, if we just randomly decided as a human race to start teaching our kids that mermaids are real, the whole the whole world would believe mermaids were real. But we don't do that. We do that with evidence. I can't believe we just compared mermaids. I feel like you just gave me a parental talk, and I feel good about it, so thanks for your fatherly advice. <laughs> I also kind of low-key just compared mermaids and religion. 
Yeah, well, so, this, is awesome. the absurd, this is the absurd question segment of the show, so it's okay. Every, everything's fair, man. It's all, it's all good. It's all fair. So, all right, I, I finally have an uh, answer. Oh, I, would, I would like to believe that Kobe Bryant is a top 10 basketball player <laughs> of all time. That's what I'd like to believe. I'm Jared Mintz. Thank you guys for listening. In case you missed it last week, we were given a second weekly show, so check out us. Check out us. Check for us on Monday. Check, check for us on Friday. Maybe we'll have Floyd Mayweather or Floyd Waymeather or whoever Joe likes to call him. Maybe he's a mermaid. Maybe he believes in dinosaurs. Hopefully he just he... does it in the ring and stops talking. Yeah. Yeah. Rah, I'm shaking my angry old fist. I didn't say that. I when, didn't you, when we're say... done with the podcast, Jared has to go outside and throw some kid's ball off his line. Dude, I see kids on my lawn right now. I'm about to yell at them to get off. <laughs> Listen, I need to clarify that. I, be emotional. I don't have a problem with you being emotional. I just feel like fighting is the type of sport where you really show who you are in the ring. Anyway, I'm Jared. Thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry for being old and crotchety today. I'll be in better form on Friday, I promise. You can catch me at today's Fast Break and also find me on Twitter at... I said it right. Yeah. Find me on Twitter at, at J-Mince Hoops. Joe, tell our... Wrestling hating, mermaid believing, dinosaur <laughs> disbelieving fans, where they can find you on Twitter. I like how we've regressed so much that when we say today's fast break, it becomes a chore. Um, you can follow find me on the Twitters at Joseph Nardone, N A R D O N E. Um, I'm on today's fast break as well. Today's you, as I mentioned before, I do some scripted kicky punch for today's powerbomb, and uh, that's about it. Whoop whoop! Thanks, guys. Whoop whoop! Peace, Jared. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hotcakes, bright and early for the daily link dumps, no one's clicking, no one's clicking, their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles It's a very, very Mad world Mad world